The Diaries October 1st, 2020. It all falls away. To me, autumn in this part of the world gives rise to the most perfect color palette. On this particularly warm early fall day, the cerulean blue sky is the perfect backdrop for the turning leaves. The walnut tree at the side of the house stands about 30 feet away and reaches a majestic 10 stories into the air. So the entire canvas of my office window is painted with its golden yellow and bright green beauty set against the crystalline sky. The maple tree just behind it across the street is already ablaze with cherry red and wild orange and seems to glow from within. A lawnmower hums in the distance and birds sing cheerily, giving the feeling that summer lingers yet. The entire scene lights up my soul. I find myself hanging on to these last warm sunny days, not entirely ready for the chill of late fall and winter, and unsure what these cold seasons will bring for the pandemic. We are already seeing a rise in cases, and there is talk of another total shutdown. But my clear heartfelt intention is to embrace the coming seasons as though I willed them with everything in me and find fresh new blessings and opportunities for learning, expansion, and even adventure, and to ask life to show me how I can best be of service through this time. Some years ago, I was listening to a lecture by Eckhart Tolle, who, as you will know by now, I believe to be one of the world's greatest spiritual teachers, either living or past. And he said something that stayed with me, which I will paraphrase here. He said that for many people, their worst enemy in the world lives between their own two ears. And although I have become much more conscious and intentional about my inner dialogue, and I practice constantly to cultivate a loving relationship with myself, I still experience moments of upset or mental turmoil from time to time, albeit much less frequent. I have been experiencing some intermittent mental unrest for some months now since the beginning of quarantine. The source of this unrest is a rushing forward of memories from the past, experiences that I haven't thought of in a long time or maybe ever, and these memories are coming forward now like a tidal wave. It feels as though my psyche is an old shed in the woods full of belongings that I haven't examined in years, and I have just opened the door for the first time. I have some ideas as to why this is happening now. Firstly, I'm aware that I'm spending a lot of time in solitude with fewer interactions and distractions. I am alone with myself. In other words, I am alone with my mind. So it is more likely for the contents of this mind to spill out with less to divert and suppress it. Secondly, I have an intuitive sense that I am on the precipice of some kind of transformation. 
So perhaps I am like a snake, shedding its old skin to be born anew, removing the layers of false protection to reveal my authentic self. This unearthing of memories has been uncomfortable at times. Some of the memories are wrought with hurt, confusion, and shame. But what I know is that the light of loving presence heals and dissolves everything, like snowflakes in the sun. So my clear intention is to invite forward everything and anything in my psyche that needs expression and healing, to meet these feelings and memories with acute conscious presence to offer the memories and all of the persons involved, including myself, love, compassion, and forgiveness, and to literally visualize these experiences being bathed and melted in the golden white light. Hi, and welcome back to the show. I'm Jen, and I'm deeply grateful to be connecting with you right now through the quantum realm, where as you know, time and space are irrelevant. So we are connected right now, you and I, through this experience, soul to soul, exploring matters of the soul, what it means to be human, and how to awaken into our highest selves. I'm so glad you're here. On today's show, we are going to explore metamorphosis, truth, rebirth, and the summer solstice. So let's begin there. This past Sunday, June 20th, marked the summer solstice in the Northern Hemisphere, which is the day of the year that has the most sunlight and the least amount of darkness. The winter solstice is the opposite, of course. The spring and fall equinox mark the days of the year when the hours of sunlight and darkness are exactly equal, and these four intersections have been honored and celebrated for thousands of years by civilizations across the world and throughout history. As you may know, cultures have built sacred monuments that align with and pay homage to the sun, like Stonehenge in England, Machu Picchu in Peru, Chichen Itza in Mexico, Chaco Canyon in New Mexico, Newgrange in Ireland, and the Great Sphinx and Pyramid of Khafra in Egypt. So especially in present-day society, when many people have lost their connection with nature and its sacredness, nature of which we are a part— these unique days in the year offer us an opportunity to reconnect with our reverence for nature. And in particular, the summer solstice is a time to honor the extraordinary life-giving blessing of the sun and to remember the divine light inside of ourselves and one another. So, even though the specific peak of sunlight was on Sunday, this entire week can be held as a time to deepen our gratitude for all of nature, to honor the sun, and to be used as a portal for transformation and awakening because of the special cosmic alignment at this time, which is why the ancient cultures celebrated these sacred days. Our meditation today is in honor of the summer solstice. 
We'll come to that later. But first, I want to guide you in using this time of the solstice week as a portal for your own transformation. What I know is that as beings, we are in constant metamorphosis, just like nature itself. And what that process looks like, universally speaking, is that for the first 15 to 20 years of our lives, we undergo a process of social conditioning from our family of origin, community, friends, teachers, other adult leaders, and our society at large. And cognitively speaking, the first eight years of that period are the most critical formative years. And during that 20-year span, much of what we take on from our beliefs about so-called right and wrong, in some cases, religious and political orientation, what we think we like and don't like, what we think we're good at and not good at, even our names, much of what we take on and call our identity has not been chosen by us, but by the people around us and likely not even consciously selected by them, but their parents and their parents' parents, and so on. So that by the time we're in our teens, we are carrying layers of mostly unconscious conditioning. And many people will live their entire lives in a prison of that conditioning. But if we're fortunate enough to become aware of this, and to get quiet enough amidst all the noise to hear something whispering from within us, then our journey as adults is one of unraveling all the layers, removing all the masks, and going inward to reconnect with our true selves. So through this show, as you know, I want to support you on this sacred journey of getting back in touch with your true being, which is to say your inner being. And as I shared, the summer solstice, this time in the cycle of nature and the cosmos, has for thousands of years been considered by the ancients to be a portal for that inner transformation. So take a moment, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, to go inward and come back to your true self. I'll guide you. You can place your hand on your heart. Breathe deeply and slowly. You can soften your face so you start to feel more and more natural. And you can say quietly to yourself, I am here. Lay down what you've been carrying and come back to precious you. Just be here for a moment. Listen and let your true self be felt and heard. And this very simple process is how you do the unraveling. To find you, you don't need to learn any more things. You don't need to go anywhere, but inward through the stillness. This is where you will find the salvation, wisdom, love, peace, the answers, the home you have been looking for is right here within you. And the more you get in touch with your true inner being, 
the more you can stay rooted there. And then as we've talked about before, authenticity is when your inner truth and your outer truth or what you share with other beings and the world are in alignment. And that alignment is powerful in the peace and freedom it offers you. So you can imagine the journey of your life like that of a caterpillar who looks a lot like the other caterpillars and who must go inward at some point into the cocoon to rest, transform, and then emerge as a unique butterfly. You may have heard the sweet aphorism by the Chinese Taoist philosopher Chuan Tzu, who said, just when the caterpillar thought the world was ending, it became a butterfly. I love that quote. Now, rebirth into the true self is part of the purpose of this human journey in my eyes. And rebirth is also part of the journey of this planet and the human species at large. As I shared in episode one, which was called The Light in the Darkness, the ancient indigenous seers from cultures like the Maya, the Haupi, and the Inca all predicted that the first part of the 21st century, which is right now, of course, would be a time of great calamity and upheaval on the planet that would lead to the birth of a new species of human beings. And as you may recall me talking about, some call this new species the Homo Luminous, that is, beings of higher consciousness and light that will be able to perceive the quantum realm of light, information, and vibration more readily than the Homo sapiens. Dr. Alberto Violdo, who I have also referenced before and who is a psychologist, medical anthropologist, and a shaman, writes that the prophecies say there is to be a tremendous culling of humanity because the earth can no longer sustain the parasite that humanity has become. So these predictions feel in real alignment for me as to what I'm observing in our world right now. And certainly we can all agree that there are layers and layers of tumult and adversity, and it's like an unearthing is happening. And at its root, I believe this unraveling is happening because we have fallen out of alignment as a species with ourselves, with one another, and with the planet for hundreds, if not thousands of years. So that is what I mean when I say that there's a rebirth happening at this time on the planet, a rebirth into our higher nature as beings. Now, this show will never be political in nature because it is my clear intention to be a unifying rather than a divisive force. But I do feel that it's valuable and important to talk about the issues of relevance in our world with a view to being part of the healing. So as we know, one of the many layers of adversity we're experiencing right now is the injustice, discrimination, and outright violence happening to multiple human groups among us including Black, Brown, Indigenous people of color, and the LGBTQ community. And because this is Pride Month, and inspired by the interview with my guest today, which I'll share with you in just a few minutes, I wanted to understand the roots of pride, 
Because what I know is that remembering is part of the healing process. So here's what I've learned. Early on the morning of Saturday, June 28, 1969, following a police raid on the Stonewall Inn, which is a gay bar at 43 Christopher Street in Greenwich Village, Manhattan, New York City, lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender persons rioted in the streets outside of and around the Stonewall Inn. And that riot and further protests and rioting over the following nights were the catalyst, the watershed moment in the modern LGBTQ rights movement. A year later, on June 28, 1970, the first gay pride march was held to commemorate the Christopher Street Liberation Day, as they called it. The march traveled from the Stonewall Inn, 51 blocks all the way to Central Park, and apparently the number of protesters took up 15 full city blocks. The next year, in 1971, gay pride marches took place in Boston, Dallas, Milwaukee, London, Paris, West Berlin, and Stockholm. And by 1972, the participating cities included Atlanta, Brighton, Buffalo, Detroit, Washington, D.C., Miami, and Philadelphia, as well as San Francisco. Then the Stonewall Riot commemorations underwent a major cultural shift in the 1980s. The former grassroots marches and parades were taken over by more organized and less radical elements of the gay community. The marches began dropping the titles liberation and freedom under pressure from more conservative members of the community and replacing them with the philosophy of gay pride. And by the 1990s, the celebrations went worldwide. But as you'll hear in my conversation with my guest today, it's his intuitive sense as a member of the gay community that there is a resurgence of the mood of protest reminiscent of the roots of pride because of the mounting discrimination and violence occurring throughout North America against groups like LGBTQ and people of color. And these issues are so complex, and there is no one simple solution for sure. But as I said, what I know to be true is that it begins with education and remembering and starting conversations, which is, I hope, what this episode will contribute to in some small way. So up next is my interview with chef, entrepreneur, and my friend, Michael Kolkis. Take a listen. Hey, Mike. Hey, Jenny. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. (laughs) Thanks for being here. Yeah, anytime. Okay. So can you tell our listeners how the past year of the pandemic has been for you? My past year has been a lot different than a lot of people that I know. I took the, the time to actually travel. I've traveled to Mexico, traveled to Barcelona, a lot of places in Spain and Portugal. And I was in Barbados as well. Now I followed all the restrictions and all the guidelines and I you know, did the quarantines when I went to these countries and a lot of countries had hardly any cases at all. So yeah, my year has been kind of awesome. 
finding a $480 flight to Barcelona round trip in July is kind of unheard of. So I had to jump on the opportunity. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your your trip to Barcelona. Well, I went with my old boyfriend. Um, were you guys together at the time? We were together at the time. We are great friends now. Yeah. He used to live in Barcelona. So we actually went there to tie some loose ends for a property that he had. Right. He was going to go by himself. And then, you know, we were looking at prices and I was like, let's just go together. Right. So we did that. And it was having your own personal tour guide in a city that you've never been in, that he's lived there for many years. Yeah. is kind of amazing. Like meeting all of his friends and going to all these cool places. I got to go to the world's oldest gay beach. Um, really? Yeah. What was that like? It was amazing. It was a little bit of a hike and you had to like walk on some train tracks here and there, but it was awesome. It was like from, from 19, the early 1900s. Uh, that's wow. how old it is. Right in Barcelona? Uh, no, that was down the coastline. Okay. Uh, we stayed in Barcelona for a little bit. And you went to Portugal. Yeah, we went to Porto. We weren't planning on it. We were only planning on going for like 14 days and it ended up being almost a month Mm -hmm. (laughs) because we were just like, okay, we're finding really cheap flights to Porto that were like $70 Canadian and then finding cheap flights back from Portugal to Canada. And we were like, everyone on the way back had their own aisle. That's how many people were there. Right. So yeah, it was, Porto was such a great city. In August, surprisingly, at nighttime, it gets like really foggy through the streets, mm. very Sherlock Holmes-ish, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, but it's very romantic mm. and it dips to like 16, 17 at night oh, in, so in nice. August, right? Mm-hmm. So all the bridges there are so different from each other and so be- it's just really beautiful. Mm. Where'd you stay? We stayed in... Right in the center of yeah. Porto, and we found a B&B on top of a Portuguese bakery. Beautiful. And every day, breakfast was included. Yeah. And we just got to go down there and just pick out and whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, included. Yeah. It was really great. I love Portuguese desserts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like the custard tarts and, you know, the nut dish and like this and that. Well, it was really, really great. Yeah. I could live in Europe. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. The lifestyle is more like laid back, common sense. It's like everyone's... Reveling in life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's a different emphasis than mm-hmm. in North America. Mm-hmm. I feel like both you and I probably vibe with Europe. Oh, yeah, totally. Right? Yeah. Mike, can you tell our listeners about the journey of your coming to terms with and sharing the truth of your sexuality. For me, nowadays, they're, the kids are coming out so much younger. Yeah. And it's so much easier because their f- parents are more, unless you're a first generation, like I'm, my parents came here from Greece. Yeah. Right. So it was more difficult because they're very old school Greek and like, you know, it's not really how it's supposed to things are supposed to go down kind of thing. But my family life is the main reason why I came out later on in life. I came out like at 28. Mm -hmm. But 
after that happened, it was, it's kind of a crazy story because my friend, Nagaya, who's the best massage therapist I've ever had, she was giving me a massage and I always wanted to come out to my parents and like, just like, just do it already kind of thing, right? Like I'm old, I'm not even living at home, right? Yeah. And she was giving me a massage and she, w- I found this out after, but she was working on my love chakra. Yeah. And at that point I just got up and I was like, I just started crying and I was like, I got to come out to my parents. She goes, right now, <laughs> like you're in the middle of a massage. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, I got to do this right now. When you and, say your love sh- chakra, your heart chakra. Heart so chakra. she was on your back, like yeah, mid back. That's right. But like, yeah. she was like in it. Going deep. You know what I mean? Yeah. So she was there for the, she goes, do you want me to leave? I'm like, no, like I've known her for many years. Yeah. We used to work together. We're great friends. So I did it and I called them and I just said, you know, this is me. I'm gay and I didn't really need a response. I just needed to, to get it out. Yeah. Right. So I was like, you just think about it and we'll talk later. Kind of thing. Okay. And were they both on the phone? No. Who, no. who was it? It was my mom. Yeah. Yeah. So. Did she have a response right away? She said something like along the lines of like, you've had girlfriends and stuff like that. But nowadays, I'm, anytime someone says, oh, but you had girlfriends, I'm like, yeah. How are you supposed to know that you don't like chocolate cake if you don't try chocolate cake? Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, and it's been a battle with my parents, like, accepting me. And it went from don't talk about it to blah, blah, blah. Don't bring anyone around to, you know, eventually, like, years down the road, I was able to bring my boyfriend to the house of four years. But if they're still... Out of sight, out of mind. Don't talk about it. Yeah. We don't want to kind of hear it yeah. about it. So yeah. it's still tough, but I'm very social and my friends have great moms, like your mom. Yeah. She's one of my second moms. Yeah. And I have second grandparents and second sisters and second brothers and and they're totally accepting. Right. So it's... You're surrogate parents. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So... For what they didn't provide to me, I just found elsewhere. Yeah. You know, and I found it in myself and I'm comfortable enough to be on your show right now. Yeah. When you say you found it in yourself, tell me more about that. The support that you didn't find from your parents, you created in yourself. It's more of a community. Like if you surround yourself in the community and like, I used to work at Glad Day Bookshop and in the kitchen there and... Just living in and around the, the the village, and just going out and ex- being in like immersed in the community. Yeah, I say this about being gay all the time to my straight friends. Anywhere that I am around the world, I could find the gay community mm-hmm. or the gay whatever. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I walk in, I feel like I'm at home. These are my family. Yes, it doesn't matter what country you're in. Or where you are, right? So that's kind of awesome. That's a give back up wherever. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's a beautiful thing. So it's like when you're a part of a group who has been marginalized at some point, even though, you know, in at this point in our, our world, we've come so far and it's not a new thing to hear about people being homosexual and, and bisexual and transsexual and so on. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's commonplace and yet still they're in your experience and 
the experience of many other people, you have experienced some degree of marginalization at some point in your life. Mm -hmm. So that makes for a stronger community. Exactly. Do you find? Exactly. Mm -hmm. I find that the community now is being divided into groups, especially in Toronto. It could be very clicky. Okay. Um, What's causing that? Honestly, like a body type. Like there's a night out for like muscle people. There's a night out for bigger people. There's a night out for, but like you go to other cities and everyone's together for the most part. Mm. Like my ex lives in Buffalo. And when I go there, it's like there was older people, younger people, people of every color, just like all sitting around and having conversations. And you don't really find that in Toronto. Yeah. You know, you used to, but I don't know. Things have kind of changed. Yeah. I kind of blame it on the apps, the dating apps and stuff. Yeah. It's so much easier just to go on your phone and talk to someone than actually turn over and be like, hey, can I buy you a drink kind of thing? Yeah. So you've come out to your parents and that was a challenging journey. You came out to your friends before you came out to your parents. Mm -hmm. When did you first come out to your friends? Well, it was your sister that yeah. I came out to. Yeah. To everyone that's listening, Jenny's sister, Carolyn, is my best friend of many years. I love her to death. And I told her and she was like, she was happy that I told her. Everything has just been like really easy. And then coming out to my straight male friends, I used my friend Matt. And I'm just like, hey, you know, I'm gay. Can you help me with my friends or whatever? And then he told everyone and then. Did you want him to tell everyone? I did. I did. I yeah. was like, can you like, Help you know, me. I don't know who's going to react to this way or because yeah. there's like straight dudes. Right. Yeah. So, and, and they were all really cool about it. And it was really like, it wasn't surprising, but it was really like heartfelt mm -hmm. the way that they reacted. And how old were you when that happened? 28. Okay. 28, so 28, 28, 29. Same year that you told your parents or you told. Oh no, parents? actually it was like a year before that. Okay. Yeah. And then a year later, you told your parents. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Around there. So you were embraced by your friends for the most part. Mm -hmm. And you came out to your parents and they've had a their own journey of mm -hmm. gradually coming to terms with it, even though they don't embrace it fully. Exactly. Because of their own socialization. Mm -hmm. But you, as you described, you've got a community around you of surrogate brothers, sisters, parents, grandparents. Mm -hmm. So for the most part, you, I mean, to me, you seem very at home with yourself, you know, sexually and otherwise. Do you ever still feel discriminated against? I do in mainly from my parents. Right. Does that cause Not, pain for you? It, it does. It bothers me because they don't want to know about my life. Yeah. And I feel like they're missing out. Of course they are. Right? So if I call my mom, she will talk about this, that, other people, this, whatever. And she won't ask me how I'm how I'm doing, how my life is going. Or, yeah. You know? So it's very one-sided, mm -hmm. which is fine. I know how to deal with it. Yeah. And just like call less often kind of thing, you yeah. know? But I faced discrimination in other ways, like holding a guy's hand and walking down the street and I'm six feet, 245 pounds. So if someone's going to say something about it, I will turn around and be like, 
do you really want your ass beat by this homo right now? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> seriously, right? But I don't really go there. I've never laid my hands on someone for them being um, discriminatory against you. Exactly. Yeah. What does it feel like though, when you see someone's reaction or when someone says something to you? If someone has a reaction to me, I, I'm a starer. I can stare at you and look at the person that's acting that way and be like, just say it. Like, I want you to say it. Like I've being gay made this backbone in me that's been like, I stick up for me and my people. Yeah. And if I see someone on the street that's being harassed, I step in. Mm-hmm. If it's your guy, a girl, anything. Oh, I've always been like that. Yeah. Kind of thing. Like, so it, it feels uncomfortable, but you're so comfortable with yourself and mm-hmm. that you're able to assert exactly yourself and, and not take it to mm-hmm. heart. Yeah. It's easy being my size, yeah. <laughs> right? And because a lot of people will watch their words kind of thing. Sure. Um, because I can be intimidating if I want to be, but I choose not to be. Yeah, of course. Right? Yeah. Because I just look at it as their problem. It's not mine. Of course it is. Yeah. So, Mike, how transformative was coming out for you? How transformative was it for you internally? Even though it was still so long ago, I still feel like I'm still going through it. Do you? All the time. Describe that to me. Well, for instance, I live in Schaumburg now. and Which is a small town. It's a small... It's actually the horse capital of Ontario. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's a population of 2,500 people-ish. And, you know, moving there and finding new friends there and just being open Mm -hmm. about it. At first, not saying that I was gay, but like then being open about it. To the Um, people in the community? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like you got to kind of come out all over again. Yeah. To like a whole new group of people. Right. Right. But everyone is really, everyone is really supportive and... Okay, so guys talk about being with girls and stuff like that, yeah. like kind of locker room talk. Yeah. And when that happens, I talk about my sexual conquests because this is what we're talking about right now. Yeah. Right? Even a lot of my straight friends were just like, like even my roommate, Dallas, he's so straight. And we talk about sex and he's so comfortable with his sexuality and I'm so comfortable with my sexuality and it's good. Like it's not like weird right yeah that's cool yeah and honestly if someone had a problem with that i'd be like okay well once again that's your problem not mine yeah yeah that would that would be a discomfort with sexuality in general yeah for them Mm -hmm. you know that only this that i've heard about or that i'm familiar with is is uh okay to talk about that's not true comfortability or Mm -hmm. openness right i'm totally comfortable with my sexuality now like yeah it's just me. It's just a part of me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like uh, how it is for being a part of anyone. Like, yeah. And everyone faces it. Yeah. So. And when you talk about coming out to the community, the new community that you're in, how do those conversations come up? Give me an example of, of how one of those conversations went. It usually happens like, oh, I have a date tonight. His name is. Yeah. You know, just in natural conversation. Yeah, exactly. And then their response is, oh, Mm-hmm. And then it just opens the door. Yeah. Before I used to hesitate at first telling people. Yeah. 
because I want to know them to know like the cool guy Mike. And then afterwards they know it's like, oh, the cool guy Mike who just so happens to be gay. Right. right. But now it's I don't even wait the week, two weeks, month or whatever. Right. I just it's just there. Yeah. That's great. So it's Pride Month right now. Mm-hmm. And happy a, Pride, everyone. A happy Pride, everyone. It's such a beautiful thing that we're at a place in the world, at least in this part of the world, where we can be saying this and celebrating it. And where, you know, even if your parents, because they're old school, don't embrace or understand it fully, which is their loss, but it's their process. It's so beautiful that we can sit here and talk about this and you can be yourself and people can celebrate being themselves, whatever that Mm -hmm. is. One of my biggest fears or areas of discomfort is the idea of anybody losing their freedom or not being able to be themselves. You know, I think something might've happened in a past life or something Mm -hmm. like that, but I, I have a, a deep sense of value for people's liberation. You know, like I, it tears my heart out to think of somebody not being able to be them, their full selves and and to be safe being Mm -hmm. their full selves, you know? So yeah, happy pride month. And in in a second, I want to talk about where you're going this weekend and all that, but First, I want to ask you what the deeper significance of Pride Month is for you, other than an outright celebration, going deeper. For me, the deeper significance is remembrance and remembering what we had to do to get here. Mm. And a lot of the younger kids, they they don't understand Mm -hmm. that there was a virus that literally like eliminated almost half of us and what pride started as and it started as a, a riot a police a police riot a police riot and how i feel like it's coming back to that like it's coming back to get up stand up kind of thing oh, um, okay but we have to be more gentle this time i feel you mean a peaceful protest yeah we don't want to be I don't know. Everyone's opinion is totally different about it. But like, for me, it's about community. Like I've been to many Toronto Prides and actually my favorite Pride was in Puerto Vallarta a few years ago. Yeah. It was so community driven and it was, you felt it. You felt the, the togetherness. Yeah. Yeah. There wasn't like, this bank is stepping, putting their label on this. This bank is putting their label on that. That bank is putting their label on that. It's not about corporates. The commercialization of, yeah. of pride, mm-hmm. and which you're seeing happen here in, yeah. in Toronto. And I like that they put their stickers and stuff on everything. But it would be great if one of these banks would just be like, you know, we're not going to put any rainbow flags on everything, on anything this year. We're going to take all the money that we would usually spend every year and just donate it to causes within the community. Yeah. Because it's such a waste. It's just so like, yeah, we're accepting. It's like, yeah, you see that it's a money grab and it's something superficial. Exactly. For corporate gain. Yeah. Because the gay dollar is big. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I hear you. Mm-hmm. And it didn't feel that way in Puerto Vallarta. It felt more, no, it more was, sincere. It, it was like people on their trucks. And number one, pride would happen at nighttime because it was so hot. It had to be at nighttime. Yeah. And people in their trucks and just like 
everyone's on the street and it was, it, it was just it was just really 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 nice really i felt it more than any other pride that i've ever been to yeah it sounds super authentic which must have felt beautiful to get back to mm-hmm. the real meaning of what it is yeah and it just goes to show you that you don't need a lot of money to have this huge elaborate pride sometimes and it takes away from it exactly yeah exactly now, when you say that you sense that the protest, the roots of pride being a police riot, that's coming back around. Why do you think that's happening? Well, look how much police violence is happening around the world, right? including in Toronto and in Canada. Yeah, discrimination and... and Exactly. Because Black trans people were the originators of this riot, police riot. Right. So... Because it's black trans rights. Yeah. So that's where it started. That's where it started. So there's so many black trans people that are dying daily now. Yeah. So it's like, especially with all the deaths that's happening from the police in the States for like no reason at all. It's all coming together. Yeah. So there's a general unearthing and uprising happening in our world. Mm -hmm. And it's happening in your community as well. Yeah. It's just, it seems like it's. It's almost uh, reminiscent of the 1970s in the sense that it seems like we're coming to another point of rebirth in our society and in our world. Mm-hmm. And you're feeling it in your community as well. Totally. Mike, so you're on your way. You stopped off to meet with me and mm-hmm. an interview with me on your way to a camp weekend. Yeah, it's do, you a, want, do you want to tell us what that's about? Of course. Cool. So I'm going to the point. It's in close support. Port Dover or in Port Dover, I don't know. But it's an all men's campground. Cool. It's clothing optional. Clothing but most optional. people wear clothes. Okay. And it's really liberating just being around just gay men, just doing their thing and just being us. So you're you're camping. So I'm camping. Mm-hmm. So the point is it's a little sex driven, but it's not it doesn't have to be, mm-hmm. right? It's really cool that there is an enchanted forest. And when I say enchanted forest, there's like a sex maze and a sex maze. There's a yeah, like a maze. Okay. Right. There is where you just find one another in the maze. Yeah. And there is slings uh-huh. <laughs> and like sex benches uh-huh. and a slurp ramp. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I don't know. A what? I think. <laughs> Do I want to know? What I this heard is? the term slip ramp and I was like, okay. So, okay. okay. So, you know what a is, right? No. Something that's punched into the wall so someone can put their through it so the other person on the other side can give them. Ah, okay. Right? So, without seeing one another. Exactly. Is that part of the mystique? I think so, yeah. But the, honestly, the thing about this, this. <laughs> This campsite is like, it's so well-maintained and so well-manicured and the staff there is really great and they're really nice. It's just like, it's just nice people. And I find that like they do, they do have mixer weekends where girls can come and whatever, but I feel like it's like a guy's retreat kind of thing. So it's more than just the sex. Yeah. It's about more than that. Yeah. It's about bonding with other guys. Even if sex doesn't happen, that's fine, whatever. Yeah. But it's it's hearing other guys' stories and like there is trailers there and people 
actually live there throughout the summer, right? So I've been there a few years. It's been like five or six years that I've been going there, but there's other ones called that are like Cedars and Rainbow Ridge and that are men and women. Mm -hmm. And they're actually, some people have their families and they bring their families there and stuff like that. So it's very more open, but like this one is more like I drive so much further to go to this one because I just like the experience. It's like for, it's an adult campground. It's more. Yeah. It's, it's adults. And the fact that it's all guys, it's like you go through your whole life Mm -hmm. and like, I love women. I love my ladies, my girls out there, you know, I love you, but like, Sometimes it's nice to just to bond with other guys. Sure. Right? Like a straight man do men retreats and, you know, so they bond, right? Yeah. Gay men do the same thing. Yeah, sure. But we just throw sex in there. <laughs> I guess, it's, I don't know. It just. Hey, it, it comes with the territory. Yeah. And it's going to be weird to see how everyone is communicating with everyone else. Yeah. Right? Because, you know, a lot of people haven't been seeing a lot of people. So yeah. like, there's. We've gone through. A, a shock as a society, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's going to be interesting how people came out at the end of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, do you think it'll be a little bit more reserved to begin with? Well, there is still restrictions. Yeah. Like there's only 20 people out in the pool yeah. for a whole campground. I, I think it's kind of, I don't know, ridiculous. Do you have to wear masks? Not in the pool. Not outside. Not outside because you're outside yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Actually, that's so funny because I saw a video of this guy wearing a mask while he was swimming in a public pool, <laughs> right? And I was like, this is so ridiculous, like right? you're missing the point. Exactly. Yeah. But you don't wear a mask, but there's people that are counting how many people are going to the pool area. Yeah. And I don't know if the Enchanted Forest is going to be open this weekend. I went the last weekend of September last year. Yeah. And it was all taped off. So yeah. yeah. Is it beautiful? It's gorgeous. Is it a really wooded forest? Like I'm trying to picture it. <laughs> oh yeah, it's very wooded. Yeah. And at nighttime they have lights that are bat like shooting up. So yeah. all you see is like these trees very lit up beautifully and like yeah, it's mystically. Ama- it's it's amazing. Cool. Yeah, it's gorgeous. I'm so excited for you. It sounds amazing. I know. Yeah. I, I I really can't wait. Well, thank you so much, Mike, for taking time on your way to talk to me. No problem. Anytime. And and I wish you an amazing weekend. Thank you. Okay, love you. You too. So I'm wondering if you heard what I just heard. And I wasn't being facetious. I actually wanted to know if the enchanted forest was wooded. I was trying to develop a visual. Yeah. So I said it. Then he said it. And then I heard it just now. So as it turns out, the enchanted forest is in fact wooded. Yeah. (sighs) Moving on. I think it's time for a little music. What do you think? This is Seasons of Love from the musical Rent, original 1996 Broadway cast recording. Measure 
meditation today, I'm going to read you a poem called In Summertime by Paul Lawrence Dunbar, who was one of the very first African-American poets to gain national recognition. He lived from 1872 to 1906. Here it is. When summertime has come and all the world is in the magic thrall of perfumed airs that lull each sense to fits of drowsy indolence, when skies are deepest blue above and flowers aflush, then most I love to start while early dews are damp and wend my way in woodland tramp, where forests rustle tree on tree and sing their silent songs to me, where pathways meet and pathways part, to walk with nature heart by heart, till wearied out at last I lie, where some sweet stream steals singing by, a mossy bank where violets vie, in color with the summer sky, or take my rod and line and hook, and wander to some darkling brook, where all day long the willows dream and idly droop to kiss the stream, and there to lull from morn till night, unheeding nibble, run, or bite, just for the joy of being there and drinking in the summer air, 
the summer sounds and summer sights that set a restless mind to rights when grief and pain and raging doubt of men and creeds have worn it out the bird's song and the water's drone the humming bee's low monotone the murmur of the passing breeze and all the sounds akin to these that make a man in summertime feel only fit for rest and rhyme joy springs all radiant in my breast though pauper poor then king more blessed the tide beats in my soul so strong that happiness breaks forth in song and rings aloud the welkin blue with all the songs i ever knew Oh, time of rapture, time of song, how swiftly glide thy days along, adown the current of the years, above the rocks of grief and tears, tis wealth enough of joy for me in summertime to simply be. Ah, yes, it's summer, my friends. And this week, I invite you to revel in it and all the flourishing beauty of nature from the life-giving energy of the sun. Connect with your gratitude for the blessing of it all. And as always, I am grateful for you for being here with me. Next week on the show, we will explore the wisdom of the trees and how we can learn so much from nature on how to be and how to heal and awaken as a species. You can follow me on Instagram for upcoming show info and daily inspiration at Diaries Podcast. The website is diariespodcast.com, where I post up-to-date references from the show and resources for meditation. I wish you an extraordinary week filled with peace and transformation. Until next time, much love.